Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a couple moments and relax. Whatever's going on, let it just fall away. Let's just relax and recognize the the presence of God. He's there whether we are aware or can sense his presence. He's, He's there. We don't need to try to get his attention or convince him of our situation. His intent for us is for our good. It's often uncomfortable and not necessarily what we would choose, but he knows what's best for us. When we join him in his purpose, we can keep a focus, a relaxed focus, on what he is doing. And he starts to give us his perspective so that we can start to see every circumstance, even the mistakes we make, of the process of bringing us into oneness, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is done. It's perfect. It's in him. Your spirit is one with God right now. I would dare say that most of us have no, have a hard time recognizing or even experiencing our own spirit. We live greatly in our natural, in our body, and also in the supernatural, the soulical, in our soul. But who we truly are is spirit. And God's goal and our goal is that we would return to the pattern, the plan with which God created us to be one spirit, soul, and body. I like thinking about when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they communed with God and they communed with one another and they communed with the animals. They communed spirit to spirit. They had a body and they had a soul, but they lived out of their spirit. Their soul did not determine their choices. Their spirit did. Their body did not make decisions for them or tell them whether they were happy or not. Their spirit did. And when you remember that when they, of the forbidden tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. 
You could almost say that they chose the soul over the spirit to to make decisions on their own in their soul. Their spirit then died. You know, the the promise was, God's promise was that in the day you eat of it, you shall die. Well, their soul didn't die. They were using their spiritual eyes and they saw each other as spirit. They saw God as spirit. God saw them as spirit. The animals saw them as spirit. They were spirit, living spirit beings that had a soul, had a body. That's what we return to. We could look, let you know, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus transfigured to be so bright that they couldn't look upon him. And other examples, we could, we're not going to spend too much time on that, but spirit, you know, we talk about no, no man can see God and live. Well, I wonder if just seeing spirit, our soul would be able to, comprehend that our our natural senses be able to comprehend that would they be so overwhelmed that's why i think god is so gentle with us and not making these huge drastic radical changes that have to be made but doing them all at once i think he's patient and kind and giving us time to make the changes And I think one of the ways he does that is he gives us a hunger and a thirst. He keeps us dissatisfied. And that doesn't mean we're not content. You know, being at peace doesn't mean we're not working. Being at rest doesn't mean we're not wanting more, learning the whole concept of of learning and the whole concept of knowing God me is is kind of implies that we don't know him now if we want to learn we're we're admitting that we don't know everything and that's a great place to start and then we let God himself teach us instruct us in the way we should go. Not so that we can please him, but because we already have pleased him. Because we are in him, in his son. He looks upon us and is well pleased. He's happy with how you're doing. He's he's rejoicing and content and well pleased with who you are and what you're going through and what you're doing because he loves you. Not because you're doing better than someone else or you're doing better than you did before or you keep on falling and you keep getting back up. No, it's, it's not about your behavior. He loves you because he loves you. You're in him. He can't help himself but love you. And he shows that by giving himself. Not gifts, not blessings, not anointings, not 
wisdom or a future or whatever. No, he gives himself. And he gives himself through our spirit. So he's making us able to receive him more. And to do that, our soul must realign with our spirit. Kind of a a real simplistic, limited illustration of that is when we put a hose on the spigot. You have to align it just right. And then you screw it on. And then you turn the spigot and the water flows. Well, that's what we're in the process of doing. Now, it's little by little for us because fortunately God's already pouring his water, his spirit into us. But the process is the more, the cleaner our hose is, the better connection our soul can get to the spirit, the more freely that life, that eternal life, the presence of God the very being of God flows through our soul, even our body, unhindered. Now, we don't have control over that. The changes that have to be made are so individualized and personal that only God can make those changes in cooperation with or conjunction with our spirit. Again, you and I are so disconnected from our spirit that our spirit knows exactly what God has in store for us day by day. And yet you and I don't. You know, we can even talk about intuition and we're going to talk about some of these gifts, you know, gaining wisdom. A lot of these things are simply our soul connecting to spirit. So that, like if if God gave you an itinerary for tomorrow, written down on a piece of paper, but it was written in invisible ink, and then he says, okay, now this is how to read the invisible ink. That's what this process is. We're learning to see things that are there already, but we haven't learned how to see them, how to hear them, how to experience them. It's not that we're all of a sudden making God give us the itinerary or give us direction or give us encouragement. The encouragement, everything you need, is already there. So we're not able to receive it. One of our big challenges is we reject the way he does things. We try harder. We try more. We try something different. We look to leaders. We look to our own mind, our own heart, our own deciding what's right and wrong for us. We look to ourselves, our soul, 
to get our own needs met rather than acknowledging that all our needs are already met in our spirit and it's simply a matter of processing that God is doing in our lives till all the needs of our soul are also met. We have to recognize that we can only have one God. God and our soul doing things our way, pleasing God our way, being God-like our way, isn't going to cut it. He, he is a jealous God. There's only room for one God on the throne, and it ain't us. So part of the process is he lets our soul and sometimes our, our body fail. This is part of the process of learning that the circumstances that God has, we, we so often think that if we're in his will, everything will go hunky-dory. Everything will go smooth. Everything, everything will go right. And instead, it's very often the exact opposite. Because we say, okay, God, I'm willing to, to do whatever is necessary to deal with whatever you want done. And all of a sudden, everything starts shaking. Everything starts going wrong. And we go, no, no, wait a minute. I thought we were going to be working on getting things straightened out. And he says, yes. And then he shakes harder. And more things go wrong. And old wounds come up. And he heals them. And things that we thought were true, he shows, he shines the light on them, says, no, that's a, that's a misconception. Things that we've been holding against ourselves or against others or even against him, he teaches us that we are a forgiving person and we therefore have already forgiven ourselves and forgiven others and forgiven him. He teaches by experience. We walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We don't learn about it. We experience the rain that falls on the just and the unjust. We don't just read about it. It's so much easier to learn and study these things rather than recognize that, no, this is, this is your day-to-day walk. This is why you're here. That's what God is in charge of. That's what he's in control of, and that's what he's doing. He's releasing and freeing and healing and cleaning your soul so it can be directly connected to your spirit. So his life, eternal life, can flow from, from him through your spirit, to, through your soul, and through, even through your body. You are the first, your soul will have its needs met by connecting to your spirit. So just like that, you know, very simple and limited illustration of a hose, the hose is for a purpose. It does something. It conducts the water to a certain source. It has a purpose. It does a thing. Your soul, likewise, has a purpose. It does a thing. It is meant to interact 
with its environment. Your natural body is meant to interact with its natural environment. And just as we have confidence based on experience about the nature of our natural environment, we know how it works because we've experienced it. We've grown up with gravity, with the sun going up and down, with hunger, with things that we don't really think about anymore, getting up and walking. We don't consider them to be gifts. We don't consider them to be special. They are simply part of our human natural existence. And that's also true in the soul, in the soulical realm that dwells in the supernatural realm. So your soul is, we could say, one level up in power and authority over your natural body. But it functions in parallel approaches. Your soul has an environment in which it dwells. And your soul has characteristics and abilities and innate, God-given personality traits, character traits. God gave you the body he wanted you to have through your parents. God gave you the soul he wanted you to have. I don't know how he puts the soul in each individual person. But he gave you the temperament and the qualities he wanted you to have for your time here on this earth. I don't know how he chooses. That will be an interesting question, how he does that. But you are a unique person, and he gave you a unique soul. So we don't, just as we don't hold, you know, we very often get frustrated with the way God made us. You know, why am I so impatient, for instance? So we, when we, when we do that, we are questioning why God did what he did. Now, that's fine. Go ahead and ask him. You know, why am I so impatient? Because, again, what is, our, what is our main goal? Is to know him. We don't hold on to anger. We, we embrace forgiveness. And we understand that whatever circumstances he has put us in, and that includes the circumstance of whatever soul he's given us, it's for our good. Spirit, soul, and body. The soul he's given you, the temperament, impatience, for instance, serves his purpose. It may be uncomfortable. It may not be socially acceptable. That's fine. Take it up with God. Now, through the process, we learn, for instance, self-control. 
not by trying harder, but by the spirit flowing through our soul. Because as our soul flows through our soul and even into our body, our strength, our awareness becomes our spirit. We turn back to how Adam and Eve knew each other spiritually. They did not know each other by their soul. Say Adam was really impatient. Eve would never have known that because they knew each other by spirit. But that impatience was still there, still part of his soul. Neither good nor bad, but overwhelmed by his own spirit that was connected to God. So we're not trying to get rid of our soul. We're not trying to correct our weaknesses, our solical weaknesses. Our goal instead is to accept the tasks that God has given us and recognize that his life flowing through us, that's what changes us. Now, we can, there's a lot of things we can't do that is his, his job, but there are things we can do. Just as individuals with a body, we take care of our body. We don't wonder if we should or not. We take care of it. We protect it. We have certain expectations about how it performs. We respond to pain. We give it sleep. We know better than to jump off a 10-story building, that that will cause damage. We have certain expectations and guidelines about our natural body. Unfortunately, we have historically Christians and non-Christians have neglected the capabilities of our soul. There are certain things that are good for our soul and there are certain things that are bad for our soul, destructive. And one of the things that happens is the more time we spend with God, in other words, making ourselves available to his spirit to flow through us, the more he starts quickening areas in our soul for for either use, learning to use, like just like we had to learn how to walk. There are things in our soul that we need to learn how to use. Tools, these are what we call gifts, or we could even say expressions, solical expressions of spirit. But they are already there. Just as your eyes, you don't have to decide, okay, I'm going to see now. You simply open your eyes and they're already working. Your brain's ready. Everything's working and ready. Likewise, in your soul, you have aptitudes and qualities. This is where 
where individual power and authority resides. We talked about individuality, temperament, quality, er, characteristics reside in the soul. But we spend so much time in the natural, we often neglect becoming comfortable with how the soul works. So this is one of the reasons he he gives us a desire to learn about the supernatural gifts. Now that's our term. And I'm sure most Christians have done a study or two or a hundred on the charismata, the gifts of the Spirit. Really, it's, the, it's blessings from God. It's part of him in us. And it's not because we're special or we have a special purpose or we are being rewarded for something. No, it's because it is, those are qualities of our soul. Now, some are going to be more, have greater attributes in one area of the soul than another, just as, there, for instance, somebody can be very athletic and can run real fast. Somebody else has other, other qualities in their natural being that function totally different. Maybe they're just a genius. They're both valuable, but they are recognizing aspects of how their body works. So you and I can also recognize aspects of how our soul works. And we don't want to be ignorant or negligent of how our soul works. So we want to increase the expectation that as we spend time with him, God himself, his spirit, stirs up within us those things that are already there. This is part of our challenge with the whole idea of gift. A kind of gift means he's given us something rather than he already gave it to us. It's called your soul. It's part of your soul. Just as your body, you have a certain color hair, a certain color eyes. You're a certain height. You're a certain ethnicity. You're a certain gender. Those things are part of who you are in your body. Same in your soul. Your soul to you already with certain attributes. And it's our great glory find out what they are, to find out how they work, because what is our goal? To learn to live and move and have our being as a spirit being, with our soul and body aligned to our spirit, so that we would relate to one another and relate to God by spirit, not by soul, not by body. Now, this is something really um, not common. This is a, very often a, a foreign concept where we would truly know each other after the spirit. 
And yet we're told to walk by the Spirit and, you know, be spiritually minded and all these things. But the whole concept of making it a total reality, that that eternal life is the life we are to lead now, and we're already leading it in our spirit. But what I'd like you to do is start developing an expectation that God himself is stirring up your soul in specific and tangible and objective ways. And we're going to start looking at how the scriptures and how historically others have categorized and and delimited and described some of those ways that our soul responds to God, but how he does it in you might be totally different than what you've ever imagined. And that's fine. That's wonderful. Let God have the freedom he wants to stir up whatever he wants in you. Remember, to stir it up means it's already there. So we'll be getting back together again. Hopefully that's helpful, and hopefully it gets you in in a positive, excited mode. This is going to be fun and personal. You don't need to share this with anybody else. This can just be you and God going through this experience. So don't worry about um, getting discouraged or going down the wrong pathway or, or misunderstanding things. This is just between you and God. You're free to make a mistake. You're free to do it right. Because you know what? God loves you. Period. End of sentence. You can't get out of that. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, this has been Diane Thomas of Rainer's Radio. Have a great night.